0: Welcome back to Unbuckle Chinstrap. Today, I sat down with Archers midfielder Christian Mazon. Christian's coming off his first season in the PLL, where he made an immediate impact within the Archers offense. He scored nine goals in the Championship Series, good for third on the team and only second behind one of the game's best in Tom Schreiber. This episode, Christian and I talked about his background coming from the number one high school team in the nation, how it was transitioning into a star-studded Archers offense how he's been underlooked and undervalued as a player, and more. Let's jump into episode two of Unbuckled with the PLL's worst tilt, Christian Mazone. Mm. Episode two, Unbuckled Chinstrap, we are back. I'm here with my guy, Christian Mazone, newest member, midfielder of the PLL Archers, broke onto the seniors this year in the PLL. Maz, what's good, baby?
1: Jules, what's good, bro? Happy to be on with you. I'm excited to talk with you.
0: Excellent. Where are you at right now? Let the people know.
1: Chilling in Washington State. Um Everett to be exact, which is like thirty minutes north of Seattle.
0: Nice. When uh when'd you move out to Everett, middle of nowhere? Washington?
1: (laughs) Coming up on two years and it is in the middle of nowhere, bro. Sometimes we like I drive through farmlands and I'm just like, Where the fuck am I right now? But I I love it. (laughs) I love the outdoors, you know, I love going up. So, you know, when we go on like hikes and stuff, we take like two hour drives sometimes to get there. It's like, like nothing else, man. But, um, it's good. Um, two years in January, I think.
0: Awesome. Well, let's talk a little bit about where you came from, uh, Long Island, one of Long Island's finest ward Melville. Talk to us a little bit about your background growing up there. Um, you know, I know obviously we met each other at Rutgers. We'll get into that a little bit, but talk to us about, you know, kind Mm -hmm. of growing up on the Island, what that was like.
1: Yeah, so I grew up in Stony Brook, New York, um, which funnels to Ward High School. Uh, how it works is Ward and kind of three towns go to Ward and Melville, um, Stony Brook, Setauket, and uh, Oldfield. And kind of the youth program there is called Three Village, and that's where they get it from because it's three different towns. Um, so played Three Village my whole life. Um, never played with any, you know, all-star teams like Long Island Express or anything like that. Stayed with the same group of guys playing with them um, up until my senior year of high school where we won. We were ranked like the number one team, thanks to you, beating Del Barton, even though Ty Zanders shouldn't have put him ahead sure. of us even to begin with. But um, yeah, and then kind of my family background. I got three brothers, one sister um, on the fourth of the five. Uh, my brother Kenny played at Siena, Will played at Army and Providence, and then my brother Alex is at Georgetown right now. Um, and then my dad played a little bit at Penn for two years before he, he quit and uh, transferred to Hofstra because his mom got sick.
0: So I know we've talked about this a little bit before, but let, let's jump in with your brothers, kind of how that was growing up, uh, that dynamic, having older brothers. Um, you know, we obviously have, you obviously have one younger brother. Um, but talk mm-hmm. to me about that, uh, what it was like to have older brothers that were playing at the next level, um, playing in Long Island, obviously really competitive. Um, but what was that like? And um, Talk to talk to the people about, you know, that competitive spirit you have with your brother.
1: Yeah. So my my older brother, Kenny, he's he's a lot older than me. Um, I don't know the, the exact age off the top of my head, but um, he was kind of the guy I watched growing up and was kind of, you know, my my idol as a lacrosse player. Um, like I said, he played at Siena and when I was in elementary school, I used to skip school all the time and drive up, uh, to Albany where Siena is located with my dad, take like the four hour trip up there, watch the games was a huge, you know, Siena fan. Um, loved watching them. I wanted to go there too before, um, I really kind of hit the recruiting circuit. Um, and then my older brother, Will, who's two years older than me. He's really the, uh, the motherfucker who made me who I am today because he was a typical, you know, older brother who kind of beat the crap out of me and really forced me to kind of be tough and face adversity at a young age. Um, there were some battles growing up. I definitely didn't like him growing up. Um, I, I like him now. We're good now. But he really, like, showed me what it takes to kind of be competitive in everything that you do. Um, and kind of, you know, have that, no, you don't want to lose mentality. Like you'll do anything you can to win. I have some stories if you want to dig into them, but, um, he was, uh, I hated him at the time, but I'm thankful for him now.
0: So did you carry that through high school into college into pro or, or how have you kind of transitioned away from that? Or is that still kind of what drives you or, or how have you utilized that, um, to your advantage, those experiences with him?
1: Yeah. So I think there's like two different two things that I really like looking back on it, how it kind of helped me. Um, I mean, like, for example, I played basketball and I was like good at basketball growing up. Like that was my favorite sport. And Will is not good at basketball. He's really small, can't shoot, shit like that. So him and we had a neighbor growing up who was like two years older than me or two years older than Will. Sorry. So four years older than me. And for some reason they would do two on one, me against them. And like, that didn't mean that I wasn't going to like, just let them win. You know what I mean? Like I still went at them and was like, all right, this is how you guys want to play. Like, I'm going to give it all, like everything I got. So like, looking back on it, it's like, I really focused on like little things. Like if will miss a shot, I need to get that freaking rebound. You know what I mean? Cause I need possessions, stuff like that. Like, I need to take perfect shots because I know I'm going to have limited possessions going up two on one. Um, So it's shit like that, where it's like that I think really translates now how I play lacrosse is like, I do all the little things because I know like that's going to translate to winning. Um, And, you know, it's kind of like I had that mentality where I'm willing to do it and I'm willing to do it harder than you. And I think that's kind of why I've seen success kind of at all levels and going into the PLL now. And then the second thing is I hated him growing up, right? So I wanted to be away from him all the time. So that created, you know, my relationship with my teammates and my friends. And, you know, I was really close with them. Like I was always hanging out with them on the weekends. Um, and that kind of translated to our play. And, and because we stuck together, you know, we, we created such close bonds and, and relationships. And we played a lot of sports together, not just lacrosse. Um, But that's where really that like team camaraderie came from me. And that's why it's so important is um, I still carry that to this day where I knew those guys were going to enter the tank just as I was, because that's what we needed to do to win and compete against these all-star teams. Um, And that's kind of what I've just continued to do and carried to because I've been doing it for so long and it's just like in my nature now.
0: Now I think, you know, people don't realize it's about you uh, just because I feel like you're more of a low key guy. Um, you have the worst tilt in the PLL. Um, so no yes, swag, but it. you're you're a, play, you're a player that gets it done. Um, and I think you've done that, and you proved that for a long time in your career, dating back, you know, to Ward Melville. I know you touched on it. We took out mm-hmm. Del Barton, which is crazy because we didn't know each other at the time, but we are both yeah. committed to Rutgers. Uh, I I beat Del Barton. You jumped to number one, and then following that you know, we ended up meeting each other at Rutgers. Um, but before you got there, you know, obviously Will was someone you were competing with against. And I, I feel like, you know, Kenny was kind of distant a little bit, but he was a guy at Siena. Right. Um, and now to so talk to us a little bit yeah. about, you know, what it was like to, to watch Kenny at Siena. Um, and then, you know, how did Breck kind of tie into that before, you know, you ended up committing to Rutgers?
1: Yeah. So, um, Siena was like really bad when when Kenny went there. Um, and
0: Kenny's first year there
1: was Breck's first year as well. And um, I think they didn't even like they never won a MAC game before, which is their conference. And I was actually at the first MAC win for Siena. It was against Mount Saint Mary's in at Maryland in, in Maryland, where Mount Saint Mary's is located. Um, I, I still remember it to this day. It was pretty sweet. But I I think with Kenny, like he was a player that was similar to me. Like he played, he was a midfielder who did all the dirty work, you know, didn't score like 50 goals or whatever, didn't have too many points, but was a smart player, a hardworking player. And you just trusted him that he was going to get the job done. And ironically enough, we kind of had the same career path in college where he played D mid for his first couple of years and then his senior year, he transitioned to offense and then, you know, kind of exploded from there. Um, and he, he had the first goal in Siena history for an NCAA tournament because that, that his senior year was the first time they made it and they they played Syracuse at the Dome. I was there and he stumbled against Galloway, which was pretty sweet. Um, but yeah, so I, I went to all those games and Siena was just like my team. Like I loved them so much just watching them um they were exciting and it was exciting to see how much they grew from year one to like of senior year when they finally made the ncaa tournament and they had some you know great players that that breck picked up which i'll i'll give credit to breck he finds some like diamonds in the rough type dudes like i remember they had this goalie brent Herbst, who was just an absolute animal i think he, he came from herkimer uh community college so like you know, the obvious comparison is Edelman, right? Who <laughs> no, came from... <laughs> I don't know where Herkimer is, but they're pretty good. But the, the comparison... Edelman. Yeah. The comparison is Edelman, right? Like, where did where did Edelman go? I forget. Essex, right? Like, where the fuck is Essex Community College? Essex, and yeah. this dude comes in...
0: Edelman, and- just for everyone that doesn't know, he's a... Uh, Edelman was a beast at Rutgers, All-American uh, goalie. Yeah. Graduated in 19.
1: Yeah, so it's like stuff like that where... I give credit to Brex for being able to find these dudes because the same thing he did at Sienna, he ended up doing at Rutgers. You know, with like guys like me and you, who kind of come from you know more established schools, who kind of just maybe got overlooked a little bit. But then also finding those like guys from middle of nowhere, aka Utah. You know what I mean? So, um,
0: but I met. So is he recruiting you when you're watching Kenny?
1: No, I'm way too young. I was in like fifth grade.
0: So, but, yeah, what give me a concept of how old you were and Brexy and little Mazzone run around on the yeah. sidelines. Like, how, do, how did he know, like, oh, I got to sink my teeth into young Mazone here?
1: Well, I, I don't know exactly. I was in, like, fifth grade, and then it maybe went to, like, seventh grade where Kenny graduated. Like, it was in that time frame. Like, I was, like, still, you know, old enough to know what's going on and stuff, but um, still, like, a kid at the end of the day because I would, like... You know, play with other kids um that actually went there. Like uh, I think Tommy Kelly actually his brother played at piano, which I found out in the bubble. And I think I used to hang out with him, honestly. Don't remember that though. But um I just met Brett at like the, the tailgate <laughs> stuff. Um but like he wasn't like actively. I can imagine how was. Yeah, I know, <laughs> <Yeah, no>, right? <laughs> That's crazy. But he he wasn't <laughs> Young actively wrapped. like Young own. yeah. He wasn't actively like recruiting me because I was just too young. Um, But like I kind of learned through Kenny and through watching him kind of what his deal was, um, how passionate he was. And he was a much more passionate guy back then. I'll I'll leave it at that in terms of what he was saying on the
0: sidelines. But how did you go from Ward Melville, right? Number one team in the country. Brecht knew who you were, but how did other coaches not, sniff you out, um, you and Jack Bruckner led that team, you know, Long, on Long Island, one of the yeah. most storied programs. So how was it that Breck, is it just because Breck kind of had, you know, that relationship with Kenny earlier? Or what kind of happened with that, that you ended up, um, you know, at Rutgers?
1: So it was my junior year when I committed. Um, so that was before my senior year where we went undefeated, but I was getting recruited by Colgate Army and Albany. Those are like my main three, and I just I visited all of them, and I was like, okay, these schools, like there's things I like about them and things I don't like about them, and also like they're, although like Albany now is like Albany and Army's always good, you know, Colgate's kind of down now, but it just seemed like lower level schools to me, um, which I didn't think I should be at, you know, I believed in myself. I believed in the type of player I was. Um, and then uh, Kenny kind of knew that I was struggling to make a decision. And he put me in contact with Brecht. And then, you know, Brecht and I got on the phone. And then I eventually visited Rutgers. And even though Rutgers at the time was probably the worst of those three or those four, like Rutgers just seems bigger and like more like, uh, you know, you, they have the the pedigree when the, back in the day when they used to... You know, make NCAA tournaments all the time so it just seemed like a bigger you know where I could kind of make myself more known as opposed to those other three schools and then when I visited there I just loved the campus and I loved like the kind of the way it was laid out how it's such a big school you could kind of be who you want to be um and no one's really going to bother you about it and then you know, I just felt comfortable with Coach Brecht, honestly, at the end of the day. Like, I knew who he was. I knew how much he cared. I knew how he's able to turn a program around because I saw it with my own two eyes. Um, and I just believed in him. And I believed in how he thought that I could be. I think he saw my potential and knew that if I really, you know, sunk my teeth into things, that I would be a, a great player. and. It took me a little bit, but
0: he was eventually right. So So you're you're betting on yourself. You go to Rutgers. Now, talk to me about what happened. Obviously, you you suffered an ACL injury uh, Mm -hmm. your freshman year. I wasn't there yet, so I I really am not familiar with the story uh, or what happened. I kind of, you know, I saw the aftermath of it, but talk to us a little bit about, you know, kind of getting to Rutgers, sinking your teeth in that first semester, what that was like, and then, you know, what that injury did to you. Yeah, so going into Rutgers – my confidence was at an all-time high. Um,
1: you Ward know, Melville National that year.
0: Champs, we're coming, baby! Yeah, <laughs> right into exactly
1: Ward National Champs destroyed everyone. Won the state championship game. You know what the score was, Jules.
0: It doesn't matter. I got you there. That's all I know.
1: <laughs> Sixteen to four, bro. It was ridiculous.
0: Who was like, that? Uh, Who'd you beat? We played. We
1: played West Jenny, which is like an old school rival of Ward Melville too, which
0: is cool. Who? Anyone in the all on that West Jenny team?
1: No, the best two players it had was that kid Ted Glesner, who went like you remember John Glesner from Army. What? What's Glesner? Glesner Army, the, the like big, the big dude. Yeah, his yeah, little, his little brother. brother who played at Army too was okay. their like main o guy, and then they had um, Nick Nick Mullen from Syracuse. Nick Mullen. Like yeah, Nick Mullen. Yeah. Okay. Got it. I get him
0: confused with yeah, the Forty Nineers quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, keys
1: guys. Yeah, so those two were main but they they were just no match for us. Um, but yeah, I was I was really freaking confident going into Rutgers. Like honestly, I was cocky, and I mean, my freshman year at Rutgers, the fall, because I got hurt uh, like a week before. I got hurt on the red white scrimmage like the week before the first game. Like I was brutal. killing it. Yeah, it was brutal. But I was killing it. Like I was like, I was a top three player on the team. Like my quickness, my IQ built as I was like, you know, getting used to the college play. Um, and I was like, just so excited to finally like showcase, you know, on a bigger level what I had because, I, you know, going into it I was so fucking pissed at inside lacrosse because I wasn't in the top 100 career. I was like, what the hell are they doing? Did you just see the year I like we just had and I had? You know what I mean? So. That really drove me uh, my freshman year. And then the red-white scrimmage, I'm going to do a spin move and I plant, and this is in the bubble, which is where ACLs die at Rutgers. Um, I plant with my right and I spin, you know, my, my spin move that I do. And I tore my left ACL, like, as it was in the air somehow. Like, I think I spawned too fast. And my knee just shed, like,
0: snapped. That's fucked.
1: And then I'm on the ground and, and Campbell showed. For those who don't know, Campbell sewed is is deaf. <laughs> Campbell. Um, yeah, Campbell sewed is deaf. I, I think I mean, I don't know if he's a hundred percent deaf, but he's like ninety percent deaf at least. And he didn't understand or didn't hear the whistle and didn't know what was happening, and he just kept wailing on me because the ball was still in my stick. And then like oh roll roll was the first one over. Um Chris Roll was the first one over, and he came over and kind of stopped Sewed and then picked me up and then I I was like, what the hell is going on with my leg? Like, and I tried to, like, uh, Christy Andrea looked at me, the, the trainer, and then I like went to go jog and my legs, my legs just felt like noodles. And I was like, what is this? And then I eventually got checked out and had surgery and my, my year was
0: done. So coming in, let me just acknowledge this. Jack Bruckner at Ward Melville got all the shine. You got no shine. Coming in okay, to uh, Rutgers. Why Why was that, by the way? Inside lacrosse?
1: I don't know, man. Were you the better uh, player? Ruck is like a.
0: He's um, an normal American.
1: Yeah, I know. I should have been there, too. I don't know how I wasn't. But um, he's definitely not. I, I wouldn't say he's a better player. I don't think anyone's a better player than me. So I'm not going to say he is. But he's a more like prototypical player than me. Um, you know, he's got like his mechanics shooting wise was awesome. Um, he, you know, can dodge, pass, shoot, like he's got all three tools and he actually took face too, which was underrated. He was nasty at face yeah.
0: Um, but well, I think that's, that's a big, we'll talk more about, uh, it doesn't matter. That's what I'm going to yeah. say. It doesn't matter. Those, all I those think, things, it's pretty, it looks, you look good, but yeah, I actually think shit. Um, I
1: honestly think it's like, I'm so unconventional in my play, like that people just write me off right away. And honestly, I'm absolutely. sick of it because it's still happening and it's, uh, it's getting a little ridiculous now. So,
0: Well, we'll talk more about that. But when you got to Rutgers, torn ACL coming off of a ch- national championship, did that just totally fuck your career up? Like, what, what happened after that? Because um, I met you my yeah. freshman year. You are a sophomore at that point, redshirt sophomore. And I didn't really think too much about the redshirt stuff. Like, you kind of just – I always thought, thought of you as an upperclassman, like an older guy. You were at you know 23 yeah. Robinson. Um, but we were not friends, you know, off the field. I think, honestly, I don't think you liked me to start. Um, and, you know, I would always I think of that. you as this separate group of guys, you know, that were kind of on the team that just – you know, that's, we had fun at the Robinson house. Um, but in my head, I'm like, all right, well, you know, I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to turn this program around and, and I don't really know you all. I know of you as, you know, that kid, that party, but at the same time, you know, on the field, you busted your ass, you know, and you're one of the best players, but you're playing defensive midfield at the time. So talk to me. So, which is totally different than playing on the offensive side. You just don't communicate as much. Um, so out of touch on the field, out of touch off the field, but Talk to me about what was going on, you know, in your mind after that ACL tear, uh, and then kind of going into that sophomore year, your redshirt freshman year, my freshman year, um, kind of how you know how things went for you after that.
1: Yeah, so I crushed my ACL recovery, like my rehab stuff, like really did, like really killed it. Like I remember Nick Mesh Antonio tore his like two months or three months before me, and like I was like way ahead of him in the recovery process. So I was putting in the work there, but That's all I was doing. I would go to rehab and then leave and not go to practice and watch. And I would just go to my dorm and do whatever it was I was doing. And honestly, I started like partying a lot because I was like upset about my ACL and other things. Um, and I just didn't have like my priorities, right? Like I was like, Oh, I'm just doing rehab. Like once I get back, you know, then I'll just go back to what I was doing. But Like, you know, and like I know, like daily habits, those become what you are, right? Like the things you put in every day and what you're doing every day, eventually that becomes who you are. And it's hard to kind of change that once you like either need to or want to. Um, So that kind of carried into my red shirt freshman year. um, And so what happened that year, I don't know if you remember, but I was ready to go for fall, but Breck sat me out. He didn't want me to play fall. So I missed all fall. And again, don't really know what I was doing. I mean, I, I was going to practice then, but um, I don't even remember like how much work I was doing like by myself or whatever. But again, it was still like partying and stuff like that, um, and that was like my main focus. And then when the season started, you know, the first time being back in a while, Coach Brecht had me and Goss, Brian Goss, in like a dual midfield role where yeah. I was playing Saint John's deep. Yeah, I was playing offense and defense. And St. John's game, I actually did decent. Um, and like,
0: it was honestly Goss wouldn't get left. out of your way, though, when you try to go left.
1: Yeah, that's true. I know.
0: You remember that? <laughs> yeah, that's what Brad I pulled did. up on the film. It's like, man, you have to go right. I'm like, or he has to clear through for him to go to his left hand.
1: Exactly. Use your left to get back to your right. Um, wow. But it was all just going too fast for me. And honestly, like, I don't know if you remember either, but I hit like a lot of freaking pipes that year when I was like playing offense. Like, you still hit a lot of pipes. Yeah, I hit pipes all the time on King Pipes. but it's crazy. Like, I, I think to myself, I'm like, if those went in, like, could have been different, but it doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, I was not ready for that dual role. Um, I should have probably just been one or the other. Um, and, you know, Breck made the change to put me to D mid, and I was pissed about it, but. You know, It is what it is. Um, it didn't change how I competed in practice and game days, but it really did put a, you know, it kind of, I don't know what the right word is, but it stunted my growth, I guess, because Tamper. I, yeah, I took it as like a, a demotion, I guess. But then I didn't, like we've talked about, I didn't do everything in my power to get back to where I wanted to be. Right. I was kind of like, I took it kind of as final. Oh, I'm just a demon now. Like, why would I put in extra work and stuff? And that's kind of what you saw, right? Like I'm sure you were putting extra work in the time. I was nowhere to be found. I was at twenty three Robson getting ready for the party later that night. Um, and that was that was the problem, right? My priorities weren't straight. I was I wasn't kind of holding myself accountable. I was kind of blaming others for stuff. And um I, I really regret it looking back, especially with those two teams where we missed the NCAA tournament. I always think to myself, I'm like, you know, if I am was the type of player who I was senior year and who I am now, which I easily could have been if I put in the work, would there have been a, you know, would we have been a different team? And would we have, you know, kind of got over the finish line and went to the NCAA tournament? And then who knows once you got into the tournament. So there's a lot of, uh, you know, regret, but I'm just
0: happy I finally figured it out. Yeah, I mean, on, on my end, I think... Kind of, it's. I mean, it's not almost. It's definitely easier to have that drive to, you know, say to yourself, "I want to put the extra work in." You know, I want to grind when you're on offense. Like I started as a freshman, I should not have been starting. Well, no, let me take that back. I was similar to you. Like I came in that summer, I played in like a bunch of tournaments with an older team, and I was Mm -hmm. crushing summer, like playing against college kids that were juniors, seniors, and I was doing really well. When I got to Rutgers. I was having issues with my wrist and my hip and then like just a lot in terms of reps and my body was not used to it. And then, you know, I thought I had a good fall, but preseason came in, we started playing whatever. Um, at that St. John's game, I was not that confident. And then Richmond game played terrible. Should not have been starting. So on my end, I had a lot of drive to To be be like brutal brutal, dude. I had a lot of drive to be like, all right, I have to get better on offense for (laughs) the sake of the team. Where on your end, it's like, all right, you are coming off a national championship, Ward Melville, you tear your ACL, you're one of the best three players to from jump. Like now you're just getting demoted to D mid. Like if, if you're not having a conversation about that mm-hmm. with someone or it's there's no clarity about it for you know what your role is or what being in that position could do, um, you know, it's hard mentally to be like, yeah, I'm gonna sink my teeth into this and and grind it out. Um, and do extra work because now with the extra work that you're doing are you doing it to get back on the offensive end or are you doing it to become the best defensive midfielder in the big 10 um and you know that process it's like that's not easy so you know i give you a lot of credit for you know kind of being able to turn it around because you know i know we came back our our senior year um and you know you did a lot of soul searching over the summertime at that point you know i had Mm -hmm. i didn't play that well junior year as well as i could have um, I, I, was still an all American junior year, but it was not, it was a hard year without beta like graduating. So that put a more yeah. pressure on myself. And then, um, beads went down again, which is like now, you know, what are we going to do for senior year? Like that was hard enough. Jeff's graduating. We had guys graduating. Um, and you no, know, I think for you, that was an opportunity for you to be like, all right, you know, how am I going to be able to take this next step? Um, you know, it's kind of coming down to the wire yeah. here. So talk to me about. You know, coming into that senior year, you know, we I know we talked over the summer, we could talk a little bit more about that, but um, what was that like for you to kind of make that switch um as a defensive midfielder, but to say to yourself, all right, this is my last go?
1: Yeah, so I will say like the way Rutgers ran practice, like when we were running NASCAR, like in you know, the thick of it with our soft your sophomore our sophomore year and um junior year, like I was getting mad offensive reps in practice like NBA all that stuff like that was the whole practice so I think if I didn't have that I don't think I would have been able to make that jump junior to senior year because you know I was working on my game without even really knowing it I was working on my dodges, how defenses slide and stuff so I was like getting in that extra work offensively like in practice almost so that really helped and then junior year you know, we were rolling for a little bit there, running NASCAR all day. And then the Chad, A&M. Went, A&M. Yeah, A&M. A&M. No. Chad went down um, with an injury. And this was, like, right before the Big Ten slate. And Brex brought me in to his office and was like, you're the guy we trust the most, like, to take his spot, like, on the offensive end. Like, we, we really only ran one venture line. We did not have much depth. Um, so they they transitioned me, and um, you know I scored in every game in the Big Ten, and I knew that that's like what I wanted to be doing, and that's what I should be doing. And I was like, this is when I wasn't even eating healthy, so I don't even know how I was doing well because looking back, I was chubby <laughs> as hell. I was eating Wendy's four for four deals all the time, and like uh,
0: at times like, before four. practice.
1: <laughs> Yeah, crispy pizza and all that stuff. Like, crispy pizza, (laughs) chicken parm,
0: fire. Yeah, that is fire.
1: But I don't know how I kind of like excelled on the field, um, offensively, you know, but I did. So I'm happy that I did. And then, you know, going in after that year ended into the summer, I was like, yo, fuck this. Like, that's what I should be doing and that's what I want to do. So let's do, put in the work that I need to do to be able to excel. Um, in that type of role and that summer i like you know i stopped going out really i this was when i met mary too so i kind of had her to lean on um i was you know having more kind of like hanging out with just close friends you know at their houses or something kind of low-key stuff and i was just grinding every single day like i put in more work than ever um i was at the field like two to three hours like every single day just like soaking it in and you know i was eating healthier now at that point so i just like took control of it and then going into senior year like that confidence was back because i put in all that work and like that fall was like the most fun i ever had playing lacrosse because like i was just like so much better than like a majority of the kids on the field and i was just flying around and i just felt like myself again and like i was just so excited and so laser focused because I was like, this is my fifth year. Like, you really shouldn't even be here, but you are. So, like, what is your goal? And my goal was like, be a star player and, you know, win a championship. And I did everything I could to do that. I remember sometimes like there were parties and I was out. Of, I was out at the Hale Center shooting. I skipped the party because I was like, I'm just done with that. Like, I yeah, don't, don't need to be doing dude, that you, anymore. you
0: uh, I remember. Uh, that summer going into to 2017 summer going into 2018 RC new yeah. year, I was driving in Maplewood on one of these main roads. And I just spoken to you for like 20 minutes on the phone and you were like communicating with Brecht. And I just remember like thinking in my head, I was like, Oh shit. I was like, I was like, my zone's like locked in. And i was yeah. like, this is dope. Cause before that I had felt like since beta, there wasn't anyone that was like as committed to it as I was. And, uh, you know, on the defense, on the offensive end, at least like we yeah. had guys that were like, you know, wanted to play on game day and, and competed hard in practice. But as far as extra work goes and like being like, we can make a run at this, you know, and a national championship, if I commit my entire self to this team, um, yeah. I, I didn't feel like there was anyone on the offensive side, but after I spoke to you, I was like, all right, well, now, I, I felt like a pressure almost relieved. Oh, Beads, obviously, but Beads has been going through his ACL tears.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: out. Yeah. And then we had, we had Kieran and Kieran, but Kieran was a little younger. Um, and I was like, this is dope. And they came back that, that's um, fall. And I was like, I almost had a guy that I felt like I could compete against and with, yeah. with these like, you know, different types of things. And you were bringing things to the table that I wasn't really thinking about, you know, like the nutrition piece. Like you at that point, you know, I'm about to eat like a bacon, egg, and cheese before practice on like a roll, and then I'd go to You're practice and sad. I'd feel like shit for 20 minutes, and then be good. But then it's like, nah, like we're gonna eat ground turkey and eggs, um, mm-hmm. and you know, sweet potatoes before practice, and then I was like, oh shit, like my zone's locked in more than I am in certain things, and this is, you know, that's what raises my competitive level, yeah. you know, and it makes me think about investing into myself more. Um, and then you know, you talk about the mental side of things. You came back. Uh, that that senior fall and we were firing on all cylinders like i remember you know we were really good Mm -hmm. and i know we played um was that fall ball we played holy cross or was that spring we played holy cross no
1: that was spring the fall ball we played like loyola loyola
0: umass UMass. so we played holy cross i remember that fall i mean that spring and i remember that game coach mitchell like we should not have been close against holy cross like Mm -hmm. the level of talent we had and the level you know the, the way that we could compete and the consistency that we had as a unit should have been there more. And, you know, we're out here beating Holy Cross like 11-9 when it should be like 16-4. to four. And I remember just thinking to myself, how is it that Mazone every time he steps on the field, is just, you know, he's playing a 10 out of 10. He's competing mm-hmm. at a 10 out of 10 level. Whereas sometimes I felt like when I'd step on the field, that I was, you know, I could drop to like a 5 out of 10 depending on who I was playing, um, you know, or what the, the dynamic was, if, you know, if Maryland under the lights, like I'm going to show up and I'm going to step up because, you know, I want to show out for Maryland. Um, but if it's a team that's less than or a team that I felt like I was better than whatever the case was mentally, how I was framing it. Sometimes I felt like I, you know, would slip under, you know, under the rug, like an NGIT our junior mm-hmm. year, shit like that. Um, and that's something that, you know, again, a situation where I was like, all right, how can I learn from the zone? We're living now together. Um, how could I learn from you to, to be able to raise my compete level? Um, you know, the stuff that you learned um, and you developed as a young player with your brother um, and yeah. through Ward Melville, um, how could I develop that um, and compete at that level every single time? Um, and that's something I know that I, I had to sink my teeth in with you and learn from you. And that, that raised my level of play senior year to the mm-hmm. point where I felt like every time I stepped on the field and now even into my career at this point that I can give, you know, a, a certain threshold of performance, no matter who it is or, or, you know, what the, what the circumstances are. And that, that's credit to you.
1: Yeah. So one, I will say that we can thank Mary for the nutrition part because she is the one who changed.
0: it looks, Mary.
1: Yeah. Mary with the hookup. She like, she showed me that you can actually eat good food that actually tastes good too. And you don't have to just go for the four for four deal and stuff. So, Thank her for that, but that was a huge piece. Like you said, like what we were eating is just ridiculous. Looking back, honestly, but the competition stuff. I remember what's funny about the Holy Cross game is Wally had just who was our sports psychologist at Rutgers. He just did that like um, that like self talk kind of presentation, and when I sat down with him in my like because you had like a one on one with him kind of after or maybe like a like a smaller group with him, he did a recording with me um where like he he kind of like asked me questions about what i type of player i saw myself as and what i wanted to be like on game day and then i had that recording before the holy cross scene and i listened to it like p- instead of listening to music i just listened to that and i was never i'd never been more locked in for a game besides that i remember i was screaming like let's fucking go on the sideline like before game like i was like tom brady and shit and I'm like, this is, looking back on it, I'm like, this is a fucking spring scrimmage. Like, I probably could have toned it down a little bit. But, like, I was so locked in. Um, and, you know, I played really well that game. And I, I, I kind of moved away from the the recording stuff, but I still do use self-talk. And that's like, because, like, like you said, the competition stuff, like, that just comes naturally to me. Like, that's just who I am. Like, I'm going to step on the field and give everything I have because of how I, I grew up and who I played with. Uh, you know, with Three Village and stuff. But once I started to learn about the self-talk stuff, like that really focuses me more um, and really gets my mind right. Because what I found is like, when I play badly, I'm thinking about things. Like I remember my worst game in the PLL series was against the Atlas um, first round of the playoffs. And I played bad because I got stuffed by King Cannon, like early on. And that's all I thought about the whole game. Like that was just in the back of my mind the entire game. And then that shit led to like me missing a ground ball, me, you know, kind of like just like second guessing myself on shit. And so what I do before games is I kind of just say like three things to myself that like, I'm going to do like whenever ground ball, compete harder than everyone and like play smart, like it kind of varies whatever I'm feeling that day. But that's the biggest combination for me that I've found that's really raised me is that like, combination of focus and compete level like you can go out there and run around and compete all you want but if you're not focused on what you're trying to do and what your role is on a the team you're just gonna be a, a crazy man with his head cut off you know what i mean so kind of com- combining that and using my com- compete levels like and focusing in on what my role is has really helped me um and then in terms of you what i learned from you that senior year and kind of living with you was the extra work piece um because even though i did a lot of extra work during the summer that raised my level i was just going out there and like dropping 20 balls and just like doing like 20 hard-ass dodges from whatever spot in the field and just like breaking a huge sweat and not like doing like deliberate extra work stuff and that's what i really learned from you is like okay you don't have to like go out there and just like sweat and run around for an hour like you can just put in like 45 minutes of deliberate work of situations that you see yourself in in game day and things like you want to improve on and just put yourselves in more like a game like situation. Um, and that's what I really learned from you with like you know going to the bubble and stuff. Uh, remember the golf team used to fucking chip at us when we were
0: doing extra work with them, <laughs> yeah, just yeah. That. <laughs> Hide in the <laughs>
1: corner. Only, yeah, it's only <laughs> me and you and then the golf team are like 8 p.m. in the bubble. So, um, And then the film was huge for me with you too. Like you're a film nut. Like you always watch film, right? I didn't really watch too much film um, or what I really did was I would just go to plays that I wanted to see that I thought I did cool in. So having that film piece and then watching it with you and learning what you're seeing that really raised my level senior year because I was able to kind of slow the game down a little bit more because having discussions with you, I'm um, seeing it on film. It's starting to just like, look like it is on film during the game. So I know that slide's coming or whatever, or I know where someone's supposed to be or where I'm supposed to be based on what I saw with you the the day prior. So I think those are the two things that I really picked up from you that really helped me kind of raise my levels
0: um, senior year. That's crazy. Cause it, it- comes you know like now um you know playing the pll and we'll touch on it a little bit but you know just in terms of off the field with you know the mission prime stuff with what we want to yeah. do together it's just that like symbiotic relationship right what we've been learning from each other through that that journey through college um and you know what started at high school and now we're kind of coming together and, and you know that experience is what you know we're giving to the next generation we're mentoring kids and it's like i never would have thought beating bell barton my junior year and yeah. you becoming a national champion would be like the start of like how we'd get to here on this podcast. Um, and now, you know, I look at the PLL and we can jump on this. Cause that's crazy that, you know, you didn't even play pro in 2018. I was, I got drafted seventh overall and you were like mm-hmm. 23rd. You didn't even suit up for the Ohio machine team. But you know, when I look, when I watch you play, it's so crazy. Cause I'm like watching myself in like what you do. I'm like that it's all day. Just because I know like what you're thinking, yeah. Um, and it's so easy now, and it it's, it looks so easy, and it is easy. But it's because of like the things that we talk about and the things that we learn together playing. And then I'm just I, in my head, I'm always like, more people need to play like that um, and make these easy plays. Um, mm-hmm. But it's just you know, it's just a matter of you know, comprehending the game the same way. But you know, talk to us a little bit about you know, you know, you didn't play in 2018. You go play MOL you know, you tear it up and then you come into PLL. So talk a little bit about that process um, and kind of what that was like for you. I know it was hard when you didn't play in 2018. I obviously knew you should have been playing. I, I kept telling folks you should have been playing, but now, yeah. you know, everyone could see it for themselves.
1: <laughs> yeah, dude, that that stuff was so – pissed me off so much. Like, it was with the Ohio Machine. I went to one practice with Ryan Keenan, um, who, if you don't know Ryan Keenan grew up in Smithtown West. And, like, I always played against him growing up. He's a year younger, but he was, like, you know, he always got, rec- like, kind of notoriety, and it kind of just pissed me off. He's a nice kid. I've, I've met him a couple times at bars and stuff. But when they chose him over me, the Ohio Machine, I was like, what the hell? Like, what is good? Like, what's going on? And then also, <laughs> that year, like, the Ohio Machine had a lot of injuries. And then there it was, like, um, it was a world championship year i think so they had a lot of players miss for a couple weeks because they were at the world championships and they still never activated me and i was just like what are you guys doing like why would you pick me if you're just not going to activate me um so i was so pissed and you know i was living at home i didn't have a job yet so that summer i i was just like fuck it like i'm still gonna practice like i'm like getting ready for game day so I just kept doing work all the time and my skill level didn't increase, Obviously it, it increased because I kept putting in that extra work, um, and stuff. So, and then kind of going into 2019, luckily the machine got disbanded, which made me really happy. Um, and I got put into like a player, like pool thing that the blaze picked me up in with Liam Banks, who's a world novel alum. So shout out to him. Um, and that team was a lot of fun and I was like so determined going into that year to get to the PL. Like I've said this before, but I, I viewed it as a minor league kind of thing. Like I remember thinking to myself in tryouts, I'm like, dude, I haven't even made this team yet. And I'm already like focused on transitioning to the other league. Like, you know what I mean? So, but luckily I, I played well that year. Um, I still got short shafted to be honest like i was fucking going on wings just to get on the field um i was like at the bottom of the the depth chart in midfielders um i did not understand it i had a kind
0: of why do you think that why do you think that is
1: dude honestly i have no idea i have no idea i I try to like make it like wrap it around my brain but i just don't get it because like i feel like I feel like sometimes, like, it's like, okay, he can, like, be on the wings and he can play defense, like, and then they just view me as that, and it's like, no, like, I view myself as, like, an offensive guy first who can do all those extra things for you. Like, I'm not a D mid by any chance. Like, I'm not great on ball. I just know where to be because I understand team defense because I played it at Rutgers, you know, and I know where spots need to be and when slides are happening and how to recover and stuff like that, so like, I'm not fucking locking up dudes like, you know, Romar Dennis or whatever. Like I just don't, I'm just smaller than him and not a, like physical, you know, being of him. So I, I don't really get it, but with the blaze, I was like down on the depth chart. I wasn't getting much burn. I was just going, I was just running on to wings just to get on the field. Um, and then we had like a fight with the Bayhawks where Randy Stotts got um, – he got suspended for a couple games, and then we had a couple injuries, I think. And they moved Brennan Sunday from midfield to attack, and that kind of, like, shifted me in. And then, like, the first game against – when I was, like, kind of starting, I, I did well against the Outlaws and kind of just, like, rode that train and just, like, was so confident and was just, like, so pissed off. I was like, I'm just going to go out there and, like, do what I do. And then I remember fucking – The playoff game against Chesapeake, we're in, like, the team, um, you know, meeting before the game. And the offensive coordinator, Pat March, he says the starting midfield line, and I'm not on it. And I'm just like, dude, have you been watching this whole season? And then I remember, like, Brian Cole and Mark Matthews come up to me, and they're like, yeah, Mazzy, you're playing. like, I don't know what he's talking about. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. Um, but like that shit is just like really starting to like, it really irritates me and then coming into the PLL, you know, like I'm just happy to be in the PLL. I'm happy to be with the archers. You know, it's so much different than kind of the MLL cause everyone's good. I mean, not to say ML doesn't have great players, but just like the depth of talent in the PLL is so much greater. Um, but like, again, like I didn't step on the field that much with the archers. Um, I mean, you know, I had my role, and stuff but I really excelled I think in the limited amount of time that I played in um and you know who knows what happens next year but I'm just going to keep using that as motivation that people just look at me as kind of like a novelty thing and not like a staple of their team and their offense um and that's what's kind of driving me that's driven me so far and I'm just going to continue to do so until you know it's not the case anymore.
0: Yeah, I mean, dude, it's crazy. Like, I mean, MLL, because obviously, like, you know, we're really close. So I'm communicating with you the whole time. I, I yeah. personally, you know, played with you, watched you play, watched you grow as a player, so, and played in both leagues. So I know what's gonna happen. You know what I mean? Like, I would communicate with people. I told Coach Nat, I was like, "Yo, we got to get in the zone. and not to say that we you know we fucked that up. But, yeah. you know, we got, we needed a face off guy. So we had, we had to take care of that first. And then you were, you know, you slipped through and then we got a, you know, defensive player second, but you got picked up before, but yeah. you get picked up. And then I'm like, ah, oh, fuck, like this sucks because I know what you're going to do, you know, and what value you bring. And it's almost as if, you know, watching you, you're so efficient. You Well, one, you don't look the part, right? Like we yeah. talked about that before. Um, just your size and like how you, you know, how you carry yourself as a player. Like some coaches, you know, they kind of just the look is a part of it. And I get that. But at the same time, like I take pride and I know you take pride in this too is a, in efficiency. It's mm-hmm. like because we both have been in positions where we get limited opportunities to produce. And then we take those opportunities like so seriously and, and like lock laser focus into them. And then you look up and I think I was, one of the top three most efficient players in 2019. And you were like top two. And I don't think it's any coincidence that that's the case, right? Like both coming out of Rutgers, playing that style at Rutgers where it's like, if we get a face off, right? Jojo goes 30%. We have the ball versus Maryland. It's like, we need to make this shit count. It's not just like lollygagging around where some guys just lollygag. They're like, oh, fuck it. We're going to get the ball back, you know, or like, I'll just do this shot down the alley and popcorn it. Like, no, when I watch you, it's like, you're fighting to get to a good spot every time. When you get yeah. that ball, you're like, I might not get this back for 10 more possessions. So I gotta make this shit count. But you make the right play every time and you make the play for yourself, not mm-hmm. the play for, you know, and you make the play for the team, not for yourself, excuse me. Um, and you know, whether that's off ball, you know, picking rolls, whether that's getting back in transition and recognizing you have the matchup, or, you know, settling it down on offense. And it's like over the course of the season, I'm talking to guys and I'm following up and they're like, I don't get it. You know, he just ends up on top of the crease. I'm like, yeah, I mean, he just knows what he's doing. He knows how to play. Um, So what, you know, what was that like, Uh, you know, going on to that team, obviously playing with Tom, you know, Grant yeah. man coming off the number one draft pick. So what, what was that like for you transitioning um, with those guys and, and talk to me a little bit about the locker room vibes and what you guys had going on uh, kangaroo court?
1: Yeah. So, um, I will say like playing with you senior year when I was getting the pole, like, Looking back, I wish I kind of carried the ball a little bit more because, you know, just to kind of take some pressure off of you and not put the ball in the hands of Gallagher, you know, who's a great player, but he was a freshman at the time. And, you know, Tommy Coyne and stuff yeah. like that. So I kind of regret that a little bit. But I, I really learned how to be a, an efficient off-ball player, right? Like, the focus is on tools. Like, I need to play off of tools. I don't need to play with tools. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think... And then with the Blaze, like ball movement was just like a thing because of the guys we had, like Shane Jackson, Mark Matthews, Colsey, Stats, Palatak. like the ball was just spinning all around. So if you weren't cutting and moving, like you just, you just looked out of place. You know what I mean? So that helped too. And then coming into PLL, like I think a big issue that some of these guys who kind of like flare out who are like big names in college and stuff is like, all right. Yeah, you were the guy in college. But now you're playing with Tom Schreiber. Like, you're not the guy anymore. Like, you need to play off of him. You need to (laughs) play with him. Like, and I think that's okay.
0: That's okay. Yeah,
1: and that's fine. Like, it's okay. Just, like, refine your skill set and work on what you – the type of player that you need to be now, right? And, like, I knew that going in. Like, okay, I'm going to, like, be asked to beat shorties when I get the matchup, Right and be efficient off ball. And I've just like learned how to move like throughout those two years, the one with you and with the blaze, like your feet should be moving the whole time on offense. Like they're standing still, like you're doing something wrong. Um, I'm playing with guys like Tom and Grant. Like if you're moving, they're eventually going to find you and, you know, playing off ball defense, I've done it before. It sucks. Cause especially if someone's moving all around you, like you got to keep your head on a slow one flex. So, I think just being able to play off of these, you know, star players who have the ball in their stick all the time and not being like, you know, having my ego and be like, no, I want the ball. I want to take the guy and score. Like you're going to score more goals by cutting off ball than having the ball on your stick. Um, and I think that goes back to like what you said, like, especially me coming into the PL, like I wasn't, I was like, okay, this is like my first year. Like, I got to make a name for myself. I got to, you know, put my stamp on things, right? Like, every time I step on the field, that's an opportunity to make something happen, whether it's a goal or a ground ball or getting a stop on defense. Like, every time you step on the field, you have an opportunity to make an impact. Um, And it just kind of led to, you know, the goals that I had. I mean, they're just, if you look at them, they're all just, like, off ball for the most part. Um, And, you know, just moving while defenders, you know, aren't paying attention and stuff like that but I really think that's the biggest thing is like, look at who you are and who's on your team and who's around you. And then just like be the type of player that the team needs you to be right. Like they needed me to be a two way guy who can push and transition and play off ball. And that's what I was. And that's why I was successful. Um, And then in terms of like the locker room dynamic, it's a fun group with the archers. They're, they're very close knit. So I was, you know, me, I don't like to come in and like be just like, make my presence known right away. Like I like it to become like more organic. Low and stuff, key but yeah. I, I don't like coming in, like making a, you know, a splash. I just like to be low key. I just want to do my job and, you know, have fun with the guys doing it. So it took me a little bit to kind of get, you know, into the groove of things with the guys and create those relationships. But uh, it didn't bother me. And then, you know, I had a great time with them as I started to learn more about everyone. Those three weeks, I think the Archers are a really close-knit group. Um, and we have some great leadership, you know, with the top guys with, like, Marcus, Rat and Tom. And then Kangaroo Court is kind of where I, I broke out of my shell a little bit. So I was like, okay, like, I'm a very observant guy, like, because I'm not, you know, Talking about myself all the time and shit like that. Like I'm just looking at what other people do. I love the people watch and stuff like that. So I made a splash in Kangaroo Court. I would say I had
0: some good fines. Tell us what um, tell us what Kangaroo Court is. The people that. Don't so
1: know. Kangaroo Court is you sit around in a circle, and um, you can give fines to people that range from one dollar to five dollars. Five dollars is max fine. And it's just like based on things that they did throughout the day. Um, like I remember, I I find Fowler, Brendan Fowler, because he flushed the urinal and it overflew on him. <laughs> so it's just like stuff that. <laughs> it's just, and I, I also uh, I find uh, I find Eli Gobreck for eating Chick Fil A in someone else's room,
0: which I just find disgusting. He doesn't agree with me, but. Just stuff like what, that what did what did you get grant amen on because i would light his ass up based off I got, social media i, I think i was on I the think team. I,
1: signed, I think i find grant every single time but also we did have a um, <laughs> we had a uh, ian mckay was like our social media coordinator and he fined everyone for all their social media posts which was always a good laugh but with grant um you know Grant's a great kid, like great guy. I, I guess I can't call him. He's the nicest guy, guy. Yeah. Yeah. I am a little bit older than him, but, um, you know, he's got a lot of confidence in himself. Right. And he came in, he's kind of the opposite of me. Right. Like he's a big personality. He comes in like, and I'm just like, okay, like this kid's a rookie like me, like I got to hold him accountable a little bit. Right. So I just started finding him <laughs> on everything. Like I find him because He started he was like boasting to someone about how in Penn State practice like he wasn't allowed to get hit or something. And then he would just go around and fuck with the defense.
0: Oh God.
1: (laughs) I was like, Grant, bro, (laughs) you can't be doing that. And then eventually I put a Grant Ament tax where it was just one dollar a day because he's Grant (laughs) Ament.
0: Dude, that is fucking awesome. And I wonder what uh, Sabio would have to say about that defensive stuff. Um, imagine if you were practice. like, I know imagine Pat if McCabe like,
1: yeah, Jules, you can't him. get hit and you just go out there and fuck
0: around the defense. Pat McCabe would have intentionally fucked me up every practice. <laughs> Not that he didn't, but... Um, that's true. Uh, um, all right, well, zone, that's all I got for you, man. This is great. Good talk, Jules.
1: I enjoy the stuff. Yeah,
0: I think... Uh, a little bit better insight into the zone that I known for a long time now. I'm excited to kind of see what you come out with next year. Hopefully, you know you kind of you know get a little bit more time. I think mm-hmm. it's just kind of a natural progression, you know, coming to a new locker room, shortened season also. Yeah, know, it's going to draw out a little bit more. So I'm excited to kind of see what that happens. I'm excited to get back personally, um, so I could bust that ass once we play the archers. Um, hopefully, get your ass caught on defense a little bit. Mm. Um and uh, yeah I'm excited and I will uh, I'll definitely talk to you later this week all right cheers over Redwood, Redwoods bro and I'll lock Get you up arrows down boy that is it for this week's episode of Unbuckle Chinstrap I want to say thanks again to my homie Christian for coming on and talking with me you can follow Christian on Instagram and Twitter at Chris Mozo guys make sure to subscribe and rate the podcast please if you haven't already If you have any questions or want to ask for future guests or even have suggestions on which athletes we should have on next, feel free to let me know. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Jules Henningberg and follow the podcast at Unbuckle Chinstrap. Thank you guys all for listening, and I'll catch you next time as we have on PLO MVP nominee Josh Byrne. (laughs)